right, guys? Uh, as you guys know, we're going to take questions that came in throughout the week. Uh, if you have questions for Doc, put them in the comments. We're going to get to them uh, at around uh, minute 15 or 20 or so, depending on how, how quickly we go through these. And um, I'm going to start with an Adderall question. I recently switched from Adderall to Adderall XR, extended release, and noticed it's now making me nauseous. I want to stay on the extended release. What would you suggest to prevent the nausea? That's kind of unusual that that would cause that, but um, I don't know if you're taking what dose you're taking, but um, I, I don't know why you want to stay on the XR. You know, I treat a lot of uh, adult ADD, and most everybody that I switch over to the XR because they want to take it once a day and have that benefit that it may last longer into the afternoon, late afternoon, they end up switching back to the plane for a couple of reasons. One is because it's cheaper. You know, there's not really a generic to the XR, I don't believe. So it's definitely more expensive. Um, so what most people do is, is split the dose of their plain Adderall. Say they're on 30 milligram, just take 15 in the morning, 15, just half it. It's cheaper that way too. You know, half in the morning and half right after lunchtime. And that seems to work pretty well. Um, I do have some people on XR that prefer it, um, especially the lower doses for some reason. So I don't know. It may depend on your dose. Um, I don't know. I, I think about, I wouldn't really try to take something for nausea just because another medicine is making you nauseous, especially one that's kind of elective medication. So um, I'd have to look at your case and see, maybe look at the doses. Um, there may be some other reason that you're getting nauseated, but maybe not since you say it just started with when you switched over, unless there's some other reason. Um, and we'll always look at what you're eating, uh, the timing of your eating. Um, you, know, you really should be able to take that on an, a, a full stomach or an empty stomach. I haven't noticed a big difference with that. Um, I haven't seen a lot of stomach upset with Adderall. Um, you may even want to switch to Vyvanse. Um, again, it's going to be more expensive. That's a long-acting, uh, non-generic um, stimulant medication for ADD. Um, Concerta is another one, Focalin. So there's several you could try. Uh, the vast majority of my patients take plain Adderall and they split the dose. So, so you may try that. Um, interesting. All right. Thank you for that question there. Um, okay. And, and I believe I can answer this and, and maybe Steve can help me with contact again. Um, contact information. Um, question is, did I dream this or did someone on the PM show mention something they recommend uh, for relief of extreme itchy skin issues after radiation for breast cancer? Uh, yes you, you, or no, you're not dreaming that. We did talk about that. Uh, it is Lavangel. And that's something that uh, our good friend, Dr. Andy Clark, um, uh, makes in his lab. And uh, maybe, Steve, if we can get, uh, we need to somehow get his contact up again. I've uh, lost it, but uh, you can reach out to him and he will uh, give you a, a free bottle from this show. So um, it is Lavangel uh, for anybody who is, uh, you know, going through press, uh, radiation for breast cancer at the moment. Um, okay, hope that, hope that helps. Thank you uh, in advance, guys uh, for, for doing that, especially the guys over at Lavangel. Um, okay. 
this is one. Last week you talked about Panax ginseng. Uh, would you prefer Panax ginseng over saffron for memory slash cognitive function? Yeah, for that reason, probably would. Um, saffron, I love. I love it for weight loss because it reduces cravings and it works really good for anxiety and depression. I mean, in some some studies that I read, it was more effective than the uh, most most all the SSRIs like Prozac and Zoloft and the sort. Um, so I do like saffron for uh, anxiety, depression, weight loss. But if you're looking for memory cognitive function, I probably prefer uh, ginseng. Um, I think, it, you know, it's one of those things that there's a lot of different forms of it. And you can just kind of try it and see. Um, but, yeah, they're two different. I use those for two different reasons. But for just memory and uh, cognitive function, probably the, the ginseng would work better, I think. All right. Thank you for that question. Um, okay. Let's stick with uh, the ginseng uh, question. And uh, I see the Life Extension Ginseng Energy Boost says Asian ginseng, not Panax. Uh, Panax. So is there a brand you recommend for Panax? Um, you know, the term Panax is kind of misleading. Uh, you're... You basically have Asian and American types of ginseng. Um, and the Panax is in the prelude to both those. So I think the American maybe Panax um, with some kind of long flowering name behind it. Quadrifolia, maybe something like that, if I remember right. Um, so it's also American do make Panax, but when you think of the word Panax ginseng, it's usually from Korea or China. Um, and really from what I've heard and seen, um, the, the American made is a little milder. Um, the, uh, the Chinese um, or the Korean, Korean red ginseng is probably the most well-known and it is a form of Panax, of course, ginseng. Um, it is more stimulatory for sure. Maybe better for erectile dysfunction and all. And you, but I would avoid Siberian uh, ginseng. That's the only one that's not a truly Panax ginseng. So if it's coming from Siberia, you know, don't take it. It's it's not the same stuff. So the life extension is a good one. You know, I've used it in a lot of my patients. They seem to like it without side effects. Again, I think it's a little milder than something like the Korean red uh, Panax ginseng. So don't get caught up in the word Panax because those can be American and Asian. Um, so if you're looking for something kind of mild, maybe for, you know, cognition and things like that, something like the life extension. And if you're really looking for something more potent, more stimulatory, uh, I would recommend the Korean red Panax ginseng. Um, you know, I don't use ginseng myself. Really for cognition, some people add uh, ginkgo uh, biloba to their 
Panax, ginseng. It seems to be a pretty good combination. You know, with either of those, especially the ginseng, you got to be careful for certain things like if you're on blood thinners and, uh, you know, you want to avoid it in pregnancy and breastfeeding, things like that. It seems to be pretty stimulatory, but uh, I hope that helps. I'm not against ginseng at all, um, but either one of those would probably be, be fine, the American or the uh, Asian. All right. Thank you for that. Um, okay. I'm going to go to another uh, ADHD question before, uh, before we get to that. I'm going to remind everybody, uh, this is the Performance Medicine Show. We're taking live questions tonight and every single Tuesday night. So if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, put them in the comments. We're going to get to those uh, here in just a minute. Uh, until then, uh, this is a question that came in through the week. Um, hi, question about ADHD, ADD. What are great supplements that have helped with this? I have some. I have had some luck with fish oil for my son, and it goes on to say I've read some negatives about fish oil and how it can increase your chances of prostate cancer. Uh, any insight? What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I don't think fish oil increases uh, prostate cancer. Personally, um, I've never seen any credible information on that. Um, I love L-tyrosine for especially for kids with ADD. Um, and, you know, there's some, there is some evidence that fish oil may help it a little bit. Um, it's surely not going to hurt it. Um, it. It's just one of those things. It's also probably pretty good for autism. Omega-3s are, you know, with autism, I think diet plays a really important part in that. You sure should, if you have kids that you know that have autism, don't give them sugar. Um, and they will crave it. Um, but I, lo I love L-tyrosine. I think that's my favorite supplement for uh, ADD. Um, uh, so I like L-tyrosine. Uh, and sometimes you take that in the morning and you take um, L-tryptophan at night. It seems to be a pretty good combination. Uh, so the fish oil, I like fish oil. You know, you're going to see studies about fish oil. It's good. It's not good. It's still... Number two in my recommended supplements right behind vitamin D. Of course, vitamin D is way ahead of anything else, but omega-3s. And the quality of uh, the fish oil and the dose that you give is very important. If you see something that says fish oil doesn't um, protect you against heart disease or, or help your brain, then they're not given enough dose. You may have to take a high dose. Just like with uh, COVID long haulers, I use four grams. I use a high dose of omega-3s. So, um, depends on the kind and, and all that, you know, we, we always talk about some of these bogus studies they try to put out to negate the good effects of vitamins. And, um, you know, I don't know the incentive to that, except maybe sell more drugs and, uh, you know, take people's right away to take a vitamin like vitamin D that last study from the new England journal of medicine, that said vitamin D doesn't help prevent fractures. Well, if you look at that study that came out a couple of weeks ago, it, it takes information from five years ago. They only checked levels in about 10% of the people in that study. And they didn't, they, when they use it, they use one to 2000 units. You need to use a much higher. So um, they didn't say anything about using vitamin K with it either. So, you know, so when, whenever you see a negative report about a vitamin like D, C, omega-3s that, 
you just don't believe, then I agree with you. I wouldn't believe it. Um, so anyway, that's my feelings on that. <laughs> uh, great question there. Uh, I love when you get, uh, get, in, your, get in your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I've got feelings too, Ben. I know. <laughs> Um, all right. And so do all the pa- all my patients have feelings too. People <laughs> have to remember that. Uh, this is As true. As a doctor, you have to have empathy. You have to have empathy, understanding. You know, you haven't walked in that person's shoes, so you need to kind of kind of approach medicine with that in mind. I think. I love so, that. Anyway. Um, okay, let's get to a methylene blue question. What brand of methylene blue do you suggest? Does the designation USP mean pharmaceutical grade? It usually has a pretty strong correlation with pharmaceutical grade, but since it's over the counter, you know, they don't do um, complete FDA, you know, prescription grade uh, OKs on that. But um, USP usually means a good thing that it's safe. Um, the brand of methylene blue that we order, gosh, I'd have to look up. Maybe Katie can help us out with that and send the link to the place that we order it from. But um, I took my dose today, and I really like methylene blue. Uh, we have some great reports on it. Um, it's it's going to be safe. Um, so just put eight drops in a glass of water and drink it. You can have a blue tongue, but it really helps you breathe better, I think. It's a great kind of natural antibiotic there we go bph brand okay bph brand methylene blue and i do think um uh i I think it's on amazon if you look on amazon you can search for that and i do think that's the pharmaceutical grade uh katie thank you for putting that in there for us um okay anything else you wanted to add about uh, methylene blue well you know if you're interested in it look at the podcast from i believe it was a couple weeks ago that we had out Describe it's a really fascinating substance, um, very probably underutilized. It's in every ER to save lives from carbon monoxide poisoning and cyanide poisoning. But um, it's a great antibiotic, it's a great uh, antiparasitic, it's a precursor to hydroxychloroquine. So um, that's how they treated malaria back in the eight, late 1800s and early 1900s until they develop hydroxychloroquine um, so it didn't turn your mouth blue. But, uh, but yeah, I like methylene blue. Look at the podcast. Um, uh, and, and quick really suggestion. A lot, of, a lot of uses for it. There are a lot of uses, and you do go over it in that, uh, in that podcast episode. Uh, little tip, guys. Uh, if you want to, you know, try to quickly find uh, an episode that Dr. Rogers talks about a specific topic, uh, the best thing to do that I found based on feedback from, from other listeners is in YouTube, search for performance medicine, methylene blue. And then, you know, or if you want to do Sermorlin, performance medicine, Sermorlin, uh, and then our, our top video will, will show up and you can see what Doc says about that specific topic. Uh, just uh, learned that this week from a, from a patient. So thank you. Um, okay. Thank you for uh, reminding us of that. Uh, I just want to give that little tip out there to the people with us live uh, and to those on the podcast. Um, okay, let's get to the next one here. Uh, this is a personal question. Um, did, you recent, did your recent blood panel indicate that TMAO is now an acceptable level 
after limiting red meat in your diet? I love these types of questions because, you know, what we often talk about is how you're doing most of the stuff that you talk about. And, uh, and I'd like to, you know, we all like to know kind of your experience with it. So, um, yeah, I try to be tr pretty transparent with what I do and I wouldn't be willing to do anything, uh, to my patients that I wasn't willing to do for myself. But, um, yeah, it did come down, you know, when I started testing that on the Clevelands and mine was kind of high, um, I did for the most part eliminate most red meat and egg yolks from my diet. And, um, it came down to within normal limits. You know, if you don't eat any of those, it's going to be normal, your TMAO level. So if you, if you check it, you know, make sure that you eat your diet that you usually eat. Like if you eat red meat or, and eggs, continue that while you get your test to see what it is. If it's normal, then you, you're okay with it. It kind of has a lot to do with your gut microbiome and everybody's a little different on that. But, um, I feel better without a lot of red meat personally. Uh, I never have been able to digest it really well. So I think the older I've gotten, the worse that's gotten. So I really, um, I'm pretty good with leaving most red meat out, although I do eat some, uh, but I always eat grass fed. Um, here's a, uh, thank you for this, Mark, this little methylene blue tip uh, mixed with vitamin C liquid. Uh, he uses lime juice. Uh, thank you for, for that, Mark, for adding okay. that in Probably there. tastes a little better. It's not great tasting, but it's not bad either. Um, but yeah, that's a great tip. Uh, thank you for that, Mark. Um, all right, let's get to a, let's see, where am I here? Um, let's see. Is TSH level related to menopause slash hormones at all, or is that only related to thyroid function? What do you like? Uh, what do you like this number to be? So it's a it's a TSH question. Yeah. Uh, real quick, what is TSH? Yeah. Thyroid stimulating hormone. Thyroid stimulating hormone. Um, it's not really related to menopause, um, although you see more uh, thyroid dysfunction in uh, perimenopausal women seems to be, but you may be talking about FSH that's related to menopause. If that's high, you're in menopause, but, um, we're talking about your thyroid here. And, you know, I like that number. There's such a large normal number, like from 0.3 all the way to four, but I like to see it around one. Uh, and again, but I don't treat, um, numbers, I treat more symptoms, but you do need the numbers, uh, to look at that because if you, uh, suppress your thyroid, uh, too much, you can get tachycardia, too much weight loss. You can get almost hyperthyroid. So I like to see it around one or even less. Um, again, I'll look at the other functions too, like the, the free T3 is, is one that's really important. And that's one most doctors don't ever check um, reverse T3 sometimes if I'm warning you about it, thyroid, you know, TPO antibodies um, and that type. And I also check a free T4. But yeah, thyroid can, it can be related to um, other things too, like uh, your adrenals, your cortisol can affect it. Uh, insulin resistance can affect it, diabetes. Um, you know, thyroid is so intertwined with everything about your metabolism. You need to be looking at that pretty close if you're 
tired or gaining weight or um, dry skin, constipation, hair loss, brittle nails, they're cold all the time. Uh, your thyroid pretty closely. All right. Thank you for, for that thyroid question. Um, okay. Let's get to a, um, a question here. I'm assuming uh, this is collagen, but I, I want a little more detail from you. Uh, is there a supplement to add cushion between bone joints? Yeah, you know, of course, you think of collagen, like you said, uh, is the best one. Um, I think the omegas help as well, the omega-3s. Um, there's all kinds of them that they claim, like glucosamine with MSM is a good one. Um, glucosamine with chondroitin and MSM, I think, is a good supplement to take, as well as the collagen uh, powders. And they even have gummies that, that I'll chew on a lot. Um, after lunch is a little dessert. Those cherry-flavored Life Extension gummies are really good. Um, and it's collagen. So, yeah, there's a lot. And then when it, if you really have bone on bone or you're really wearing thin, you can, you can think about maybe a PRP injection um, or the rooster comb, you know, Cinevis type injections uh, to your knees. Um, something if you go to my podcast from, was it last week that I got that PRP injection in my knee, Ben? It was last week. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Thank you for, uh, for that uh, collagen question slash PRP. Uh, this is a, a quick one. Uh, does your office prescribe Mongero? Yeah, I don't think that's pronounced or spelled right, maybe, but Mongero. Yeah, uh, we do. We do. Um, it's a really good uh, GLP-1. And, um, you know, it's kind of like Ozempic, Trulicity, um, the newer generation GLP-1s uh, that, and this one has a, something extra called a GIP. So, you know, we have seen some pretty good weight loss with that. It's a diabetic medication uh, that has the wonderful side effect of uh, helping you lose weight. As a matter of fact, we use these GLPs 10 times more often to lose weight than we do to treat the diabetes itself because usually you're insulin resistant or pre-diabetic. But yeah, we do. We sure do. Come in. How do you how do you uh, pronounce it? Is it is it Mongiorno? Mongiorno. 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 Okay, Mongiorno. I think kind of like Mongiorno, but you know the drug rest will probably get mad at me for pronouncing it that way. But. <laughs> um, okay, let's get to. We have a, a few COVID questions here, and I, I think we have a couple people in the in the live audience who. Uh, are going through uh, something similar to this, so hopefully this will help. Um, when someone has COVID, how long can they spread the virus at work or at home? Who knows? I mean, it's your guess as good as mine. Uh, you know, the CDC has been guessing on it for two and a half years and hadn't really gotten it right, so who knows? I mean, the typical, you typically want to say, you know, there's a five-day uh, incubate or a five-day period where you, you can still spread it, um, that you need to stay home. The incubation period, the period when you get it, between when you get it and when you show symptoms, could be a day, two days. Um, you know, this latest mutation is pretty contagious. So supposedly incubation may be a little shorter, 
but and some of the other variations. But nobody's really sure, to be honest with you. I mean, it's really just mystifying how this thing is, has acted and how it's mutated. Uh, but the general rule of thumb is if you have COVID, then, you know, stay, you, know, you may spread it for five days. You may be contagious, but really you're probably more contagious the day before you even come down with any symptoms like most things. Um, but if you're still symptomatic after five days, you're still coughing and, you know, you're still probably spreading germs. So just be cautious with that. Um, if you're living with somebody who has it, it's amazing how some people just don't get it when they're around a lot of it and other people get it out of the blue with no known exposure. Sure. They've had it but exposure, but they don't know where. So, um, it's really mystifying. I was watching a little bit of news report. Jill Biden has now come down with COVID. And uh, I think President Biden had it I mean, three weeks ago, maybe. Um, you know, now she has it. So uh, who knows? It's a guess. Um, so, so this is a protocol question. And, uh, you know, if, if um, there are, uh, I do think on our website we have a COVID box uh a tab uh, that kind of goes over some of our, our protocol, but real quick, Doc, uh, what protocol is your favorite for someone who tests positive for COVID-19? Well, you know, I've used a frontline doctor's protocol for two and a half years. So that's the one, that's my go-to, you know, including Ivermectin and Zithromax and, um, you know, all the vitamins that we put down. I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, and I use pretty heavy doses of it. I still treat it aggressively, even though this latest variance in most people pretty mild. Um, I still don't, just don't take any chances because I've seen what COVID can do, um, especially in immunocompromised people and obese and low vitamin D people. Um, so uh, I haven't had to use as much as many steroids as I did in the first go around as many inhalers and that type of thing. So um, I, I really still, you take it on a day-by-day -day basis and kind of go by symptoms and how sick you may get. But I like to start it as early as you can, early as when you test positive for it. I try to go ahead and treat. And sometimes I'll even treat, um, you know, family members with the vitamins and have everything ready in case the spouse gets it or so on. So I usually put refills enough so where they could take it as well. But um, uh, I still treat it pretty aggressively. Uh, there's there we go. some of the protocol that was just switched up there. And so it's a lot of stuff. Um, and I don't use, like, you don't really have to take all that. You know, I usually... Um, don't make you take the B complex, omegas, uh, arginine, lysine. I usually don't use those because you're on a lot of stuff anyway. But I do emphasize taking Zyrtec and Pepsid as, uh, you know, histamine blockers. So we're trying to limit the, the inflammatory response from this thing. But, uh, but anyway... It's a great question, and thank you for, for prompting uh, that conversation there. Um, that's going to do it for the questions that came in throughout the week. 
uh, as I take out my, my earpiece. Um, guys, we're going to the, to the live portion of the show. Um, this is where uh, we take live uh, questions that are in the comments on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. So if you have a question for, for Doc, go ahead and put it in the, uh, in the comments here. I'm going to go ahead and, and start with, uh, let's see, Mama B's Place. Uh, Mama B's Place on YouTube. Uh, so today is day five on ivermectin, and I'm very weak and muscles are fatigued. Do I continue with the ivermectin? Yeah, I would. Um, a lot of people I'll put on it for 10 days. So if you're still sick, continue the ivermectin. Um, and the other thing is just make sure your oxygen saturations are staying good. Um, you know, we treat it kind of differently depending on your symptoms. Fatigue is really common for a while after you've had COVID. So that's not unusual at all. I like you to get outside, get some sunshine, walk around a little bit. You may be fatigued because you're not getting out and moving around. Um, but uh, continue to take your D, you know, you can back off to the normal doses. I'd probably back off at this point to 10,000 units a day. Uh, but I'd stay with my 4,000 a C. I'd stay with my Zyrtec, my Pepsid. Um, and hopefully, you know, you may be developing a secondary bronchitis for sinusitis. Sometimes I'll switch over and use doxycycline. Uh, if the Zithromax, um, hasn't totally done it, but, um, so just play it by ear and call us if there's any, any problems, but, uh, I, 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 I wish you had an infrared sauna, um, to kind of sweat it out. That's what I did when I had it. I, I want to put this, uh, up for Mama B's place as well, uh, because you mentioned doxycycline, uh, she's asking, can you please explain the use of doxycycline as a preventative during COVID? Does this not compromise the immune system, especially if there's no known infection or bacteria? Yeah, I don't use doxycycline as a preventative for COVID. Uh, I don't know where that came from, but um, I use ivermectin as a preventative um, and sometimes hydroxychloroquine, but um, I don't use doxycycline as a preventative drug. Um, I use it uh, if you, as a second line agent if you come down with the infection COVID. Um, it seems like Zithromax works better. You know, I think Zithromax has antiviral properties. There's no doubt in my mind about it. But doxycycline is a great antibiotic if you're infected. It's interesting. Doxycycline is just such a, a broad spectrum antibiotic um, that is really useful. And you don't, it doesn't tend to, you can use it more long term, like in cases with acne and stuff. But you're right, though. You got to, You have to. You have to watch out for uh, your gut, especially because it can throw your gut off. And if your gut's thrown off, you can compromise your immune system. So definitely take all the other stuff to boost your immune system, like quercetin, NAC. I do like L-lysine for that um, as well. But yeah, you know, I don't. I don't use doxy as a preventative. Um, all right. Thank you for. Uh for that uh, question there, Mama B. Um, let's go to, to Janet on, on LinkedIn. Do you feel that treatment should be based on both blood tests uh, and DNA? And um, I'm not sure what the treatment is uh, around, but maybe this is just in general, um, blood tests versus DNA, DNA testing. Uh, what's your thoughts when you're, as you're reading this? 
one of my thoughts are I'm looking at Janet over there. I know Janet, but you look young. Is that a much younger picture of you or are you just looking good? Are you doing something different that you're not telling me about? It's because you look good in that picture. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're laughing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're probably talking about the DNA cheek swabs that um, we used to do quite a few of them. And it's still available. It's a good thing uh, to see like, of course, we I treat patients based on symptoms, but I, I have to have blood tests because uh, I follow them. They're accurate. But DNA, um, you're probably talking about um, there is a DNA test. It's a, it's a swab from your uh, buccal mucosa that checks your DNA, and it will tell you actually which treatments of various classifications of drugs uh, go best with your DNA, your particular DNA. Like even within classes, like um, if you're depressed, whether Prozac or Zoloft or Paxil will work better, um, you know, which antibiotics you should stay away from uh, genetically. So it's really a pretty good test. The problem, we used to do a lot of those. The problem was, you know, they claimed that, um, the insurance would pay for them and then the insurance wouldn't. And then some of the companies were not real reputable. So they kind of went out of business. So I liked having that information. Um, and I'm hoping for, to get a really better legitimate company that comes out there and it's available, more available to people at a reasonable price if their insurance won't pay for it, because usually they won't. Um, and you can't blame them because it's kind of an experimental type uh, regimen. So I hope that's what you're, you're asking. Um, so it depends on the treatment and, you know, what, what we're treating. But, uh, you know, everybody's a little bit different and, and you may respond differently to different uh, medications depending on some genetic traits. It's like it's, it's estimated that 15 percent of people worldwide will not get COVID because they have a protective gene uh, in that genetic pool that they have. Uh, hmm. So, um, and you have a couple of bad genes for COVID too, which could explain why there were some outliers that uh, succumbed to COVID-19 that you wouldn't think uh, would have been susceptible to it. So. Um, well, it's, a, it's, it's a great topic um, and thank you for uh, for initiating that uh, conversation, Janet. Um, let's get to, I want to get to Roel's question. Uh, it has a, a lot to do with what we've talked about with COVID. Um, Doctor, my wife and son have COVID. How long do we need to isolate? My son on day nine and my wife on day six. They feel fine, but my son lost his taste and spell, uh, taste and smell. Appreciate your advice. What's your, what's your advice for Roel? Well, I hope you feel better, Roel. Um, I don't know if it's your first episode with COVID if, or if you, this is a repeat uh, infection. Certainly, there, I've had patients that have had it three times. Um, you know, the, the, what they're saying now is five days. But like I said before, nobody's really sure. You know, I would just certainly get outside. And, um, you know, if they feel fine and it's past day five, then they can mingle they shouldn't be contagious unless they're still running a fever or having a lot of symptoms or coughing all over everything. But so they're probably fine to get out and uh, return to work or school. Um, 
uh, you know, kids do really well. That's kind of unusual that uh, he lost uh, taste and smell with this mutation, but I have seen it. Um, my guess is this is his first uh, episode with COVID. Um, and he'll, he'll do fine. Um, I like Flonase, the nasal spray um, for that. And I like zinc. Sometimes that helps a little bit. If he's nine, he could probably tolerate 30 milligrams of zinc for a while with food. Um, you know, I hope you're feeling well too. Oh, you don't have COVID. Just your wife and son have COVID. Um, it'd be interesting to see if you come down with it or don't come down with it. So if you haven't had it, I'd boost my vitamins now. Um, and, you know, again, uh, if you get it, you can certainly, if you can't get ivermectin here in Tennessee, we can get it over the counter now in, in certain pharmacies. So that's a great thing. Um, but, uh, they should, they should be fine going back. They may be tired and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll do fine though. Uh, Roel, we'll, we'll be thinking you. about, thinking about your family, um, and I just want to put this up here for you, Doc. Uh, Roel's a fan of your deadlifting. Um, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the prettiest deadlift, but, you know, as you know, I've got kind of a tricky back. And uh, uh, these guys, Zach and Josh, they really taught me a lot of stuff about, you know, why I should be deadlifting to help my back. You know, I hope today's podcast was helpful to a lot of people because the theme of it was, injury rehabilitation by exercise, including weightlifting. So, you know, we're always kind of taught stuff that later on we find out really wasn't the right thing to do. So I think um, the old adage where you get injured, just rest, don't do anything. I think that may be bad advice. Um, it certainly was in my case, both with my shoulder and my back. Um, you know, if you have a lot of back pain, that's the most common type of pain is low back pain, believe me, worldwide. You have a weak back. They call it a weak back, and it is a weak back. You know, so you need to strengthen your back, but you need to do it the right way. That's why I like Josh and Zach. They're not only physical therapists, but they're trainers, and they, they're really good at, at what they do, and they kind of think outside the box, uh, just like the knees over toes guys that I, we really like. And they certainly subscribe to his philosophy as well. But, um, yeah, well, thank you. I'm certainly going to hopefully be doing deadlifts and squats the rest of my life. Um, um, want to give a, a shout-out to, ter uh, to Terry, who's in Belize, um, helping people walk with Hope to Walk organization. Uh, super cool, Terry. Uh, we really appreciate uh, all the stuff that, that you're doing, and thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, shout it's just out amazing. He does such a great job with that. And, People, yeah, that's a great organization. So contribute if you can to to hope to walk. It's just amazing that Terry travels all these countries and and gives his time to to those kids, especially. It's just amazing. Uh, um, we we love you, Terry. Uh, shout out to to hope to walk. Uh, thank you for for being with us tonight, man. Uh, Damon, I see you, man. Belinda, I see you. Uh, thank you guys for for hanging out with us tonight. Jack, I see you. Um, let's get to um, Let's see here. Where's my next one? Uh, shoot, guys, I lost my lost my place. I think. Um, okay, here we go. 
Uh, LaDonna is asking, what do you think about MCT powder? What's your thoughts on this? Oh, I like it. Yeah. Medium chain triglycerides. It's great. You know, it's, it's um, kind of based on coconut oil. Um, but it's really good for your joints, for your brain. Um, you can do that and stay in ketosis if you want. Um, a lot of people put it in their coffee. Um, I do a lot put my coffee sometimes and, you know, but I like it. I really like medium. There's a lot of evidence that it may even turn around dementia patients. There was a really famous, um, article that was presented in the American Alzheimer's Association years ago. Uh, this doctor, uh, whose husband had, had Alzheimer's to where he was a former accountant, couldn't, could not function. And she researched and she just dug, nobody was helping. Not, nothing was helping, you know, nothing, the Mendes and the Aricep, nothing, they just don't work. Uh, so she came up with a blend of that and, and ketosis type diet. And he, he went back to work. Hmm. Um, I don't know if he recurred later on, but even if he did, it gave him years of more clear thinking. So I love MCT powder. Very helpful oil. And then a follow-up here is, uh, what's your thoughts on the keto diet? Um, I think you're a fan. What's your what's your two cents on, on the yeah, keto? I love the, I love, you know, I like the keto plan. It's hard for people to stay in it. Um, there's too many carbs that you desire, and it's hard not to eat carbs. But um, I do like it. One reason I like intermittent fasting is because it puts you into ketosis for part of the day and allows you to not stay under that 20 gram limit, which puts most people in ketosis. You know, I had a question today from a patient called in about uh, cannot lose weight on the keto, can't get into ketosis or lose weight, even though they're on 20 grams. So you may have to go lower than that. Mm. Um, everybody has their own. Uh, limits. You you could survive eating zero carbs. You can't live without fat and protein. But you, you could live just fine with zero carbs. Hmm. You know, your your brain works better as with ketones than it does sugar. There's just no doubt about that. Um, and when you do fasting, you start burning your own fat if you're trying to to lose weight. So I like the keto diet. It seems like it's better if you cycle on and off of it or even do intermittent fasting. It's very hard to stay on it, but there's some my patients who do. Um, but I think if you had cancer, you should immediately think about going ketosis and maybe taking some IV vitamin C. And same thing with dementia. You know, I, I would uh, get on a ketosis type diet if you can. When you say cycling, what what's what, what's your typical like what are you recommending in terms of on versus off well i mean you know some people will go 20 they eat they eat regular meals and for a day and then the next day they do fasting for nothing they like zero zero food yeah just black coffee or water hmm. for 24 hours uh but most people do intermittent fasting for you know i i like i do it most days of the week on the weekend, sometimes not, but you know, it just means I do 17 hours off seven on. So it seems to work out pretty good for me. I, I think 
Um, and in this case, I'll do a 24 hour fast or a little longer. And it seems like you don't crave food, especially carbs, and your brain starts working better. Um, you get clear thinking. So, yeah, if you've never tried it, uh, give it a shot, at least the intermittent fasting part. Um, eat more fats, way less carbs, and moderate protein. All right, LaDonna, thank you for, for that question. Uh, let's see. Evangelon's in the building. Evangelon, welcome, man. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, let's see here. Um, got some. Uh, I love that. I love that. Um, I'll put this up here because I, I think this is so true. Like as soon as I get a sneeze, runny nose or headache, I pop 50 milligrams, uh, 50 milligrams of D I'm assuming. No, 50 milligrams of zinc, 5,000 of D I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. Yeah, you can pop as soon as you get a cold, you could pop 50,000 of D for five days. And you could even take, uh, of course I always take zinc. I, you should probably take that every day anyway. Um, but you could even take a gram, which is a thousand milligrams of vitamin C every hour until you feel better. You're not going to overdose on it in that regard. If it gives you, if you took too much of it, it'd give you diarrhea. So then you back off, but yeah, I'm all for that. Hit it early. And I think it works. Uh, Jeff Thomas, our, our good buddy from uh, Life Extension, I had him on the podcast, it seems, about a year ago, and he, he told me his regimen for when he first starts to get something. I think it's a, a gram of C every hour, um, and I think he, he kind of knocks it out within a day or two. Um, yeah. I, I think I clipped that. I'll have to, if, if you guys want to see what he said, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll make sure to, to bring it next uh, next week, next Tuesday. Um, okay, let's get to, um, let's see, Alice is wanting to know more about PRP. Um, first, I, I would watch the PRP video uh, of the Common Sense MD. Uh, it's focused solely on PRP. If you Google or YouTube Performance Medicine PRP, it should show up. Uh, but for the people who's, who are with us now, Doc, uh, tell us a little bit about PRP yeah. and its uses. Uh, it's platelet-rich plasma, which it's part of your own blood. It's the part that has all the good stem cell precursors. And so what we do is uh, draw your blood and spin it down and get the platelet-rich plasma out of it and then inject it into usually joints, tendons, um, and it even grows hair. We inject it into the scalp. I did one of those yesterday, and it grows hair on top of your head. Um, so it's like a stem cell treatment. Um, go to the podcast and look at it. You, you, you can watch me getting a PRP injection to my knee. Um, you know, as I get older, I have a, my little crepitants or joint mice and, you know, wear and tear on my cartilage in my knees. And, um, you know, I, I think it really helps, uh, regenerate cartilage and bring all those growth factors in there. And it helps. It's not going to hurt you. It's your own blood. Um, so love about PRP. Um, I, I, I liked what you said last week. I think it was last week uh, about it looking like liquid gold. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and just for the record, I, I feel like you really took that, you took it well. I, I mean, you're not one that handles pain very well. And <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> I've come to like needles really. You know, when you watch two of your kids, give themselves eight to 10 shots a day of insulin through the years that you, you think, why am, why am I squeamish around needles? That's, it, it seemed like I did. I, as a kid, I did not like needles because 
my dad was a physician. It seemed like every time I'd visit him at his office, he, he'd give me some kind of shot. Either, you know, he was even giving me a shot or burning a ward off or something, but he always injected. And I did not like needles, but uh, needles don't bother me. Plus, these days are so thin, you don't even hardly feel a, a needle. In... See, you, you were a champ with that. You, you handled that great. Uh, did you oh, read that from, from Katie? Uh, yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> I thought I handled it really well. It really didn't hurt. I couldn't even feel it, to be honest with you. Um, um, so it was, it was a good treatment. Uh, and this might be a Katie question. Um, just wondering how to get some of your vitamins. Uh, Marilyn's talking about uh, the Dr. Rogers formulas that uh, we we put out, uh, I guess, over the last couple months. Um, I, I know for a fact that that right now they're only inside of uh, one of our – they're in all the performance medicine locations. Uh, for those who don't know, we have locations in Knoxville, Kingsport, Bristol, uh, Johnson City – um, and soon to be uh, another one in Knoxville. Um, so right now that's where to get them. And Katie, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but that's the only way I know how to get them. Is that right on your end, doc? Yeah. You know, we had to reorder a bunch of them. We really underestimated how, how they go because I, that super vitamin, even the immune formula is just, just amazing what all we packed in there. Even the pharmacists that made it agreed to make it for us in Oregon, uh, so it was the most packed vitamin they'd ever made, but, uh, I just wanted to, to sink it down. So you didn't have to take so many different kinds of vitamins, but, um, yeah, I think if Katie will verify this, we've had to reorder it. It really sold out quick. So I'm not sure how many we have left at the offices, to be honest with you, but we placed a, a huge order for them, but I didn't think anybody would, you know, uh, I, I actually no. didn't know this, so uh, thank you, Katie, for um, for mentioning this. I think I've already, I, I think I've told people we don't, we're not shipping. We're we're apparently we are shipping some of them. So, uh, mm. so uh, let's see, we are in low stock, it seems, uh, and out of the energy. Uh, but Katie is saying that we can also ship if the patient wants to pay shipping. Uh, so if you're willing to pay shipping, you can get yourself some uh, some Doctor Rogers vitamins. Uh, thank you for putting that in there, Katie. Uh, let's get to a few more questions, guys. I want to make sure we uh, get to all of these. Uh, thank you, Marilyn, for, for prompting that there. Uh, let's see. Let's get Elena. Then I want to uh, get to Lisa and Mark. Um, is the MCT oil as good? I've been using the oil from Garden of Life. Um, I'm, I'm guessing is this is MCT oil as good as uh, we had a question about um, the powder, yeah, I, I like the MCT oil a lot. Hey, Elena, hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, um, I think the oil is is a more common form of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like both of them. And the Garden of Life is a good brand, so you know, I think I think if you've got it, use it. All right, both let's them, keep both. keep it moving here. I want to get to uh, let's get to Lisa's question. Um, went to an uneventful dinner with friends, uh, been there, Lisa, uh, got home, put my feet on the driveway, had excruciating pain in the back of my right heel. Sometimes it goes up my calf, but not always still very painful and hard to walk. Uh, thoughts, uh, around healing remedies, please. What's your thoughts on this for Lisa? You may have developed a case of plantar fasciitis. That'd probably be the most common thing. Some people call it heel spur syndrome. Um, 
because it usually starts in the back of your heel, usually on one side, usually the medial side. Um, I've had a little bit of this in the past myself. Um, it, it can be painful and it can radiate. Now, hopefully your, your calf is not swollen. It's located in the heel. So press on the bottom of your heel. And if that's the tender spot, then that's what it is. If you've got a big swollen calf that's tender and red, you need to see a doctor ASAP, but it's probably not the case. But yeah, plantar fasciitis, you've probably inadvertently stretched that plantar fascia, that thick band of tissue that goes from your heel to the, to the front of your foot. And it's real thick. And sometimes you can kind of tear it away from that calcaneus, the heel bone a little bit through doing something pretty inadvertently and um, can really cause a lot of pain when you walk. Um, you know, of course, I love ice when you have an acute injury like that. Ice it down will help um, some nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories and also curcumin is, is something I take every day anyway, but you can double up on it for an injury like that. Um, <sighs> Sometimes slow stretching helps it because it can turn into a chronic thing that could last a year. Um, you know, one good person to see in our office is Ernie Dixon, our physical therapist that, that works there. Um, he treats a lot of plantar fasciitis, he even makes orthotics that seem to help. Um, and sometimes they'll put a kind of release the stretch on your foot at night with a special shoe. But um, Ernie even has a sound wave machine that he uses on these things if they're kind of chronic to break up the, the, uh, the plaque and the scar tissue. Sometimes I'll, I'll put an injection in there of cortisone if it's really acutely inflamed and that'll really help it. Um, it seems like it'd be painful, but I, I go from the side and I use some freezing stuff on it before, so it won't hurt you too bad. Uh, but yeah, probably plantar fasciitis that's, that's come up and gotten really inflamed. It it uh, it hurts when I, I remember when I did mine, it, it, it kept me up most of the night. It hurt so bad. Every time I moved in my bed, it really hurt. And then the thing is, you jump out of bed in the morning and you immediately stretch it out because it's been shortened under the sheet. So then you acutely stretch it out and it hurts you the whole day. So get on it early. And if there's any question, come see Ernie or me. But, uh, uh, Lisa, thank you for that question. Um, let's get to, to Mark's uh, question around synapsin. Um, I'm getting ready to start synapsin spray. Any suggestion as to when is the best time to take it? Do you think synapsin spray could be useful in restoring sense of smell post COVID? That's a great question, Mark. And, you know, I've been using synapsin um, because it's fine. It's become available again for us to get compounded. And I take mine in the morning because I think it helps mental clarity. I really like it. And matter of fact, I did prescribe it today for a patient that I'm using it to see if it will restore uh, smell and knows me a uh, post-code for long haulers. So, because a lot of them get brain fog anyway, I'm hoping it'll kind of kill two birds with one stone, but it's very safe. And I really like synapsin for a mental alertness. So, you know, I take it in the morning and it seems to, I really like it a lot. It's one of those things that 
you need to do your own research about. Um, but it, it's a really good little unknown substance. Um, uh, so do, do your research on it. And Mark's always at the forefront of all this stuff. And uh, if you guys want to let me know, Mark, give me some feedback on it. If you guys want to uh, learn more around Synapsin, uh, Robin Riddle didn't explain this episode uh, on Synapsin spray, uh, Synapsin nasal spray. Again, uh, if you YouTube it, just uh, YouTube Performance Medicine Synapsin, it should come up. Um, I want to put this in here from, from my man Mike. Uh, Mike is saying the new liposomal C from Life Extension stays in your system much longer and achieves a higher level, uh, higher levels without bowel issues. Use it daily. Uh, thank you for that, hey, Mike. Mike. Hey, uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Finally, you know, finally, the liposomal C, which is the, the way to to go with it. Um, uh, but anyway, I hope you're doing well, Mike. Uh, miss you, Mike. Thank you for putting that in there. Marty, too. Don't forget Marty. Mike and Marty. Thank you, guys. They thank should you. have a morning show, the Mike and Marty show. <laughs> it just sounds like a radio show. Yeah, uh, Mike could play guitar and Marty could sing. Um, it'd be a great little show. Uh, so Maryland's in, in Oregon. I'm, I'm putting this up here. We, we can mail them. Uh, but but uh, our, our my cousin, uh, dad's nephew, just graduated um, uh, uh, with a master's degree uh, in, in Portland this week. So our family was was out there in Portland. In Portland, and yeah. Then went to Seattle, I think, for a bit. So uh, the PNW is in the house. I, I, I love the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so thank you for hanging out with us tonight, yeah. Maryland. PNW. Um, I've never heard that term. That's pretty cool. PNW. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bianca, thank you for uh, uh, for putting that up here around um, the plantar fasciitis uh, ice foot bath. Um, yeah. Sure, that can help. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for yeah. that, Bianca, putting that in there for. It's Lisa. a painful situation. It really is. Yeah. Um, and Ben, you're a big fan of whole body ice baths, aren't you? Remember when you played tennis and. Yeah, Australia actually. and all those hot places. And you wouldn't you take an ice bath at night from the yeah. was I guess it was from the waist down to rejuvenate your legs for the next day on yeah. 120 degree hot court. Uh, yeah, you, know, you, you like the ice bath. It's painful. It's just, I did it once. And, whew, cold. It's no fun. Um, but there's actually now I think there's a company who um, they have like portable ice plunges so similar to like you have a you can have a an an, an at-home sauna you can also have a uh an in-home ice plunge and uh, wow. a lot of people Maybe are doing get that. so you don't even have to do like you know ice in a in a bathtub or anything um it's a cold huh. plunge um so super it's super cool um apparently uh, that's becoming I, I popular that's awesome you know i know as soon as i get out of my infrared sauna in the morning very heated up i get in this cold shower i love it it doesn't even really feel too cold for me but uh, you know the it, it kind of activates those heat shock proteins in your sauna and then when you get in the cold shower it really um it really um a it activates your immune system what it does so it's really great that's a great question alice i forgot uh do they do prp for facials yes it's called the vampire uh, and it's actually, um, so we draw your blood and, and then do the skin needling and mix the blood in. We don't, we haven't had that greater response for it for some reason. People, you know, we can, we could do it, but I haven't, 
bang for the buck on that, I don't think so great. Mm. So, um, in my own opinion, you know, you could, you could ask Kelly, my daughter who does all the facials and all the aesthetic, uh, she has all the lasers, all the latest, but you know, I'd probably go with an all therapy or, uh, the Synovi or one of those latest gizmos that really work well, um, rather than the, the vampire lift. Super cool. Um, well, guys, that's going to do it uh, for this episode of the Performance Medicine Show. Uh, Doc, how you feeling? I, I mean, you seemed you seemed alert. You, you know, like how do you I think, did? How do you think we did? Maybe maybe the synapsin made me alert. Still, I just took it this morning though, so it's maybe worn off. I think I'll I feel good. You know, as soon as I'll, I'll get on my bike now and and ride a little bit. There's Mary. Hello, Grandma, Grandma Mary, Mary said it was great. She had, she had a good uh, good trip to. Charleston, I hope, and uh, it was wonderful. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Grandma Mary's with us. Uh, Grandma, I love you. Uh, she's given us a ten uh, for the show tonight. Uh, so I, I think it's we been did. fun. Yeah, we we are continuing to research things and and you know help people age better. Um, what well, what I like to do is is to when you come in to get a snapshot, including like the Cleveland panelists to where you stand right now. And then we want to look at the trajectory that you're on for your health the rest of your life. And that's kind of what we think we're good at. And um, so that's our goal is to see what, see where you're at and help you plan the trajectory that your, your life's going to go in health wise. I love that. Um, so, but anyway, I love that. I just, I just uh, came up with it. <laughs> Uh, real, qu real quick, guys, uh, two things. Uh, the first is, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Second is, um, we are searching for topics. I got, uh, I had a meeting with Robin Riddle, uh, the star of the Explain This show. Um, we're searching for topics to do deeper dives on. So if you have any topic ideas for Explain This, uh, put in the comments, just do ET and then whatever the topic is, we'll let, we'll look at those and we'll start planning out uh, the next you know five to ten episodes of explain this. Uh, the third little tip is is what I said earlier. Um, if you want to learn more about a specific topic, uh, there's a good chance we've already put a video out on it. Uh, so get into YouTube, search for performance medicine, and whatever that topic is. An example is performance medicine PRP. The video with PRP will come up. Uh, again, a patient mentioned this to me last week. Works like a charm. I've tried it. Uh, I see Ike's in the back, which is our. Yeah, I just noticed him. There's our mascot. There's Ike. <laughs> There's Ike. Can he you just woke up? I think. Can you guys see Ike? Because uh, I, I mean, there he is. He's right over my shoulder. <laughs> that shoulder. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, we're gonna call it a show. Doc, thanks so much for the time tonight. Um, Jordy, thank you. as always, uh, to the team, uh, behind the scenes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to my mom. Thank you so much to Katie Gagley, our operations manager for being in the comments and helping out with, with all the, uh, questions we call her the PM Google. Uh, so thank you for that, Katie. I see Stephanie's in the building after a long day in the office. So thank Stephanie. you, Stephanie, for, uh, for Stephanie had a good day today. She really worked hard. There you she go. did a good job. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for everything. Thank you again. Uh, for being here. And I, I want to put this up. I saw it uh, in passing. This is uh, just to help us with the, uh, the new GLP-1. Stephanie is saying is pronounced Mount Kilimanjaro is, 
is how to uh, pronounce the new GLP one. <laughs> oh, thank you, Stephanie. Um, Stephanie's related to Crosby, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That's what I kid her about because her brother's such a great guitarist. Um, uh, and you're and you're up and coming bandmate, apparently. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope we can get it together. First of all, I can't figure out how he's laying down on that on that table. Like that's a table back there. That uh, table's made of granite. He likes anything that's cool. So, <laughs> all right, guys, we're we're gonna call a show. Uh, we love you. Thank you guys for hanging out with us every Tuesday. Again, this is the Performance Medicine Show. We do this every single Tuesday night at seven. Um, bring your health and wellness questions. Bring your integrative medicine questions. We're here to answer them. Uh, thank y'all so much. I'm gonna find my outro. Uh, we love you guys. See y'all later. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.